Hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have another great guest. We have Glenn Cranking, which is an associate professor of history and Scandinavian studies at the Gustavus Adolphus College. Hello, welcome. So, um, there has been a lot of, of talk lately, particularly the, the last the elections last week in Sweden about Sweden and, and Sweden is in the news. Uh, a lot, uh, particularly for the for the debate of the refugees, but also because uh, Bernie Sanders have talked a lot about Sweden and uh, and 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 other uh, countries in in the region, Denmark, uh, Finland, uh, Iceland, uh, no Iceland, but less, uh, but but um, Norway, um, and uh, and it seems to be on on the news and, and but. Uh, doing this podcast, I have realized that, that, that there are very few historians that, that study Sweden, at, at least in the U.S. or the English-speaking countries, or where, uh, even the Spanish-speaking countries. There are many few. I am Peruvian and still live in Peru, and there are, I think, of the historians of, of Scandinavia in a Spanish-speaking language, there is only one that that, that teaches. Um, um, 20th century Swedish history, and he he studied that because he wanted to relate the the refugee crisis after the the, the coup d'état in Chile. So basically, he he came by by an accident, not not of Scandinavia per se, but, but um, so it's why why is that? Why why is this complex relationship? Why? If it's if Scandinavia seems a, a region that fascinates so many people, why is this area so few studies about it? I, I think that a, a big part of that is there are only a limited number of schools that offer the Scandinavian languages or have uh, programs where you can study Scandinavian history. Um, there used to be more programs that, that would focus on that, and, and even then I think a lot of the, the scholars who have focused on modern Scandinavia or modern Sweden look at the question of immigration, and in the United States, particularly immigration to the United States, and so that has been a, a large focus for, for quite a while. There are other places, and, and you kind of mentioned that there are certain issues and, and people that come into it in other directions from other, uh, from other interests and seeking to draw parallels. And, and you do see a number of uh, doctoral dissertations that are, are written by people in, in schools that don't really have a Scandinavian Studies program or, or department, but their interests are then pushing them in, in a direction towards Scandinavia. Uh, um, so there are definitely a, a, few, a few out there, but it's a limited number. Um, I'm, uh, myself, I graduated from uh, uh, Ohio State University with a PhD, and my main focus was, uh, main field of study there was, was Russian history, even though I had a topic that was, while related to Russia, was really focused on a, a Swedish population. Um, and that's in part because there, there are so few programs in the country where, where you can actually study Scandinavian history as a main field for, for a doctoral dissertation in history. So I think there's a limited amount of, of knowledge uh, or possibilities to, to acquire that knowledge. There are some excellent programs that are doing that, uh, but it's a smaller number. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting because I, I, I have always been interested in, in history and politics since I was little, but I, I to be honest, probably until like my two last years of high school, I literally knew almost close to nothing about Scandinavian, and it was because um, uh, a small indie music magazine started to, to publish book um, like uh, review of, of of music albums, and a lot of those albums were from from bands from 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 Sweden in particular, and less degree Denmark, and and they even released a mixtape of, of the songs from which with one record from with one record label they, they partnered to to release a, a mixtape, and it was really interesting the combination, and it thinks I think it it generates a lot of interest. I have a, a friend from Colombia. Which is currently studying the the master in Viking and medieval Norse studies at the University of Iceland, and, and it's it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that there are many people, not not only in the English speaking world, that are interested in in Scandinavia, but but also outside even the U.S. It's much more difficult to 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 get the, the knowledge of, of languages, and and that program is one of the few I think programs in Scandinavia where you could actually learn the language because I think in most, if not almost all, the the programs in Scandinavian history in, in, in the Scandinavian countries, you have to know the language and and that's a very uh, big hurdle to, to pass. Yeah, I, I, well, English is very common in Scandinavia and yeah. there's yeah. actually a number of scholars from the, the Scandinavian countries that are publishing in English. But to really delve into the material and to, to use the archives, you really do need to have a knowledge of, of one of the languages to do that. For me growing up, um, I uh, grew up in, during the Cold War, the later stages of the Cold War anyway, um, and it wasn't, Sweden wasn't really, or Scandinavia as a whole, wasn't really something that was all that discussed. And I remember my textbooks uh, that would be talking about European history, and all of the maps essentially cut Scandinavia off of the, the map, so you didn't even see it. And you would hear a little bit about the Vikings, you might hear about uh, the Scandinavian countries with the Thirty Years' War, maybe a little bit with the, the welfare state of the 20th century, but for the most part, you didn't learn about it. I think that started to change when, uh, when Sweden and Finland uh, joined the European Union. Uh, in the 90s. And then I've noticed now that textbooks generally include all of the European Union countries, and so it's including all of Scandinavia as well then on those maps. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot more coverage of them in in our education system, but at least they're on the map. So that's a, that is a start, I think. But but curiously, at least particularly Sweden, there, there has been a, a lot of covering popular culture, I think. IKEA, HAM, um, ABBA, the the more contemporary bands, the, the late Abishi, um, the Cardigans, like it, it's it's in popular culture terms, I think they have a a great soft power, and and, and they are seen in a in a better way um, than than maybe other countries around the world. Absolutely, and and. Uh... Uh, I was really shocked to, to learn that Sweden is the, the third largest music exporter in the world. Yeah. In the US <laughs> and, and the UK. 
Um, and ABBA definitely started that, and ABBA's interest in ABBA is, is still around. I mean, Cher is about to release an album of, of ABBA music, um, so it, it's still out there, it still seems to be relevant. Um, I, I think part of it is the fact that Sweden is a small country, population-wise, and you have a lot of people that are interested in design and, uh, and style and this pop culture uh, fashion, music, and with the smaller population, they're able to try things out. And what then becomes popular in Sweden, they then export very well and are, are very skilled at that branding, um, at marketing things and tapping into the, the latest craze or, or the latest design style um, and really seeing, pushing that type of, of innovation with, uh, with style. And I would say that goes even further back with uh, with Volvo cars as well, and really branding themselves around this idea of safety. Uh, Volvos were the, the first ones to have the uh, the three point seatbelt, for example, uh, um, and so really developing that image as as one of the safest cars. Uh, um, and so they, they have a real knack for for tapping into a lot of. of that marketing component to give themselves, I think, a, a larger share of, of attention. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really interesting the the, the issue with the fascination with with, with Sweden because I, I really was surprised when when H A M and M opened here in in Peru the the kind of success that it has had. I was really surprised and IKEA is going to open here in Peru and other countries of Latin America next year. So it, it seems like a really kind of surprise development. Sweden is, is kind of developed as a, as a global power. And, and and it seems also that, that, that Sweden and the image of Sweden is, is, is always a very complex um, ideological retort because as long as Bernie has been talking about Sweden as a model, uh, more right-wing publications like Brave or, or, or others have been pointing that, that, that Sweden is a, a, that the immigration has generated many problems in Sweden and, and, and it's, it's really a, it's really used in many ways Sweden and it's very difficult and, and confusing how, how even Swedes feel contradicted about the attention that, that is putting not on, on the on the issues that, that, that have to do with the, the success of Sweden but but in the perceptions that that, that not necessarily are are doing with with good intentions in, in one or, or another way because I, I'm sure Bernie hasn't mentioned that, that Sweden has full I mean almost complete school choice a very um, almost libertarian approach to, to education in that regard. Yeah, and there's there's both the, the left and the right, I think, uh, misuse the image of, of Sweden without really understanding what's going on. Uh, there was a, a journalist in Sweden, um, I believe his name is, is Paul Rapacioli, uh, who published a book this year called Good Sweden, Bad Sweden. Um, and it really is looking at how um, both the left and the right are using Sweden as, as this example, and, and on the left it seems to be looking up to Sweden as this utopian paradise where everything is absolutely perfect, uh, and the right is describing it as a hellhole that is destroying everyone and, and uh, crime-ridden and, and everything else. Uh, 
um, neither one is, is really accurate. Uh, there are elements of truth, I would say, in both pictures, um, but the analysis, the direction that they, they take those events are completely out of the context of what's actually happening in, in Sweden. And I, I think we saw that a lot with the, uh, with the coverage of the election this past week. Uh, there were a number of, of journalists in Sweden that were really critical of, of how the election was being portrayed internationally because uh, I think one journalist made the observation that it would be like showing up in a country a week before the election without any understanding of any of the political parties or any of the history or what the main issues of the, are in the election and then not speaking the language and reporting on it. Um, and you would get you would expect to get absurd results then, which don't reflect the reality. And yet, that wasn't really how this election was covered internationally. Um, and there was an opinion poll that was done, exit poll for people that uh, when they left the, the polls, and all the international coverage seemed to focus on this question of, of immigration. But for the respondents to the, to the poll the immigration was the eighth most important issue for them. The, the top five was healthcare, education, equality, social welfare, and law and order. Um, and yet all the coverage seemed to focus on the question of immigration and the refugee crisis. Um, doesn't mean that there isn't a story there, but uh, how it was portrayed, a lot of times the, the reporters themselves are maybe spending a couple hours in the country talking to certain individuals who have their own agendas, um, and it's not really a, a full, complete picture. And I, I would say this has historically been the case with the, the coverage of, of Sweden, uh, even going back to the, the 1930s when the, the welfare state uh, is emerging. Uh, um, and there was a, a journalist, uh, Marcus Childs, who, who wrote about Sweden. Uh, he's the one who coined the phrase, the middle way. Um, and that was really what started this international focus on, on what Sweden was doing politically and economically um, and kind of influencing others and, and kind of being seen as a potential model uh, to follow. Um, and you look at how that image then is, is being manipulated. I, I would say what Bernie Sanders is, is doing, uh, you're right that, that he isn't really getting a complete picture. But I would also say that he's, he's viewing it as uh, kind of combining all the Nordic countries together and picking and choosing uh, elements from different countries that are, are doing things well. So the education in Sweden, uh, education system has some challenges to it, uh, but the Finnish education usually ranks pretty high. And so we talk about the Nordic model with education, and what we're really talking about is, is the Finnish example. Uh, um, and so kind of picking and choosing depending on the issue uh, and kind of branding it all as, as Nordic, uh, that kind of gets rid of, of a lot of the distinctions. And the, the Nordic countries are quite different from each other. Yeah, actually, I, I was once talking with someone from, from Iceland, and it was very interesting because he was told me that, that um, the for example, the, the candidate of, of the Pirate Party, like, some years ago, the, was in one, at one time was, was leading as the as candidate for prime minister was someone who identified herself as an anarchist and I found that it sound very strange but look into Iceland history and they have a, a very strong 
feeling for autonomy, for for independence. So so having some sort of libertarian, broadly speaking, a streak is value in Iceland. She didn't manage to, to, to win that election, but but still, in some ways, I feel that, that it sounds more like the more closer in, in some strange way, ideological to, to the American value of, of liberty in some way. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, in order to understand any country's elections, you really need to understand the, the society and the culture and, and what is relevant for them. And how that picture is portrayed internationally doesn't always correspond to what's going on on the ground in those countries. Uh, and the history is, is a big part of it. And a lot of the, the focus on Sweden in the past couple of years has been about the question of immigration and, uh, and the large number of, of refugees they took in with the, the recent uh, refugee crisis and drawing a sharp distinction between then Sweden's actions and uh, those actions of either Denmark or, or Norway, which are much more restrictive, and yet don't really put that into the, the larger context of why Sweden has such open borders. And for me, looking at their history, I, I really see that the reason for that is because of Sweden's actions during the Second World War, when uh, and kind of the guilt associated with being a quote-unquote neutral country, although they weren't really neutral, um, and not really providing assistance to, to people that were in need, and, and certainly with the, the Holocaust going on, um, and really feeling that they should have done more. And I, I see that as, as greatly influencing their policy and, and promoting a much more, uh, much heavier focus on humanitarian efforts and helping those around the world that are in need. Um, Norway and Denmark were both occupied by Germany during the war, so they had a very different experience. Um, and I, I think as a result have a different approach towards, towards immigration and, and asylum issues. Um, and that's not to say one is better than the other. I, I think you have to understand that historical context to, to understand why it is so deeply ingrained in, in so many Swedes' minds the need to help others from other countries that, that are going through some sort of trauma. Yeah, I think that that, that point gets generally missed on, on the picture. And and it's kind of sad that, that, that in general, like a lot of these stories happen and, and and yeah i mean it's 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 very complex trying to to relate i mean everyone is is using this other gender rt has its own view and, and most american channels and not only the americans but it's it's very kind of of, of complex also seeing the the developments of, of sweden because like uh, I remember a report on, on Bloomberg, the, 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 a video report in, in Bloomberg of, of Sweden and, and the, as a new hub for, for for innovation and for for entrepreneurship. Like, um, um, I mean, Spotify, SoundCloud, a lot of, of, of the new applications are, are from Sweden and Sweden is... is is kind of, of moving away from that socialist image, although I, I think it wasn't that much socialist as some socialists have claimed, but still, no, yeah, it's still they with this kind of corporations being developed in a much more uh, broad way and being 
it's it's kind of changing the, the panorama. Absolutely, and, and you do see a lot of that innovation that's that's coming out and kind of portraying it as well uh, as sometimes it's vilified on on the right for the the problems of a of a socialist state, and it's definitely not a socialist state. Uh, um, ignoring the fact that actually they rank fairly high with innovation, as you mentioned, uh, and with a lot of other markers, uh, and are typically also towards the top of the list of, of happiest people in the world. Um, so, I, and there are distortions, I, I would say, all, all around on, on both the right and, and the left, uh, because I, I think we also need to acknowledge that there are challenges in uh, in all of the Nordic countries, uh, they're not utopias. They're not perfect. Uh, they also have struggles. Uh, I think they approach a lot of problems in a very different way than than many other countries or, or regions of the world do. Um, whether or not I, I would go so far as to agree that they are a model that others can turn to and, and learn from, that's a harder question because I, I think you know each country has its own uniqueness and different history and, and different uh, relationship between the people and the uh, the government, and so that poses additional layers to whether or not a, it's a model that can be followed. Um, but I, I think they have a different way to approach many issues, uh, and for me, one of the, the big things that the way they approach it is is the sense of, of promoting equality, promoting transparency in government, promoting sustainability with the environment uh, um, as, as really top goals that they have for, for their country and, and are hoping that others will, will follow along on that. But that doesn't mean that they're perfect with any of those areas. Yeah, I, I think that there, there is certainly um, even in, in environmentalism, which is something that, that, that particularly Sweden is uh, is seeing as a leader, there there is uh, some. I remember watching the French TV, and a, and, a, and, a, and an ecological activist was criticized Sweden because Sweden was buying um, um, garbage from other countries to process it, and and he said that that is not a good thing because uh, in in the process of of transporting it, it generates contamination so i mean it's this kind of of, of disputes are, are 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 not necessarily not everyone in, in the environmental community has the, the same opinion of, of sweden and and it's it's very curious i think that for example the issue with with spotify is is really interesting um because I was related the the issue that Spotify for a while consider um, banning uh, or not uh, if a musician has done something controversial, trying to not put the, in in the in the continue playlist or something like that, and but it has a very a very bad uh, because they were accusing the, the this musician be they are people and 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 everything i mean musicians in particular people in the rock and roll scene has are famous for, for getting into trouble so even the, the small the small detail of your life could could make a lot of a big issue so so but this i think had to do with with the issue that i was once uh, um, I remember watching about the 
the Sweden introduction in the European Union, that a MP from Sweden said that they wanted to be the moral consciousness of Europe. And, and that has a, a lot to do with, with probably with, with how the way that the Spotify was acting. And, and it's, 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 it's related with what you were saying about, about the refugees, about this kind of consciousness, that, that, that after uh, the neutrality in the, in the Second World War, that they have developed this kind of moralism of trying to act in a good way in, in every occasion. And, and it's but but also as as the development of 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 uh, of, as, of corporate capitalism in in the case of Spotify is difficult to deal with these cases and and and, and particularly since the, the the company has go public in the in the uh, in the New York Exchange and, and now it was funny because they, they, in the New York Exchange they they put the the flag of Switzerland. <laughs> Yes, I yeah, it, it's it was funny, but 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 anyway, now they're they're investors. I think they 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 look at, at this kind of actions and they could see some suspicion because obviously there are many even famous act, uh, musicians that, that 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 because of their controversies could be pulled off, and and maybe another kind of 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 corporation could have. Try to take the, the position of Spotify, so they kind of acted very quickly. But but still, there there is kind of this this uh, I don't know saying contradiction. But but it's this kind of development is is trying to to rethink in the the the, 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 the Swedish identity in, in in some ways because it's it's a global Sweden. It's a Sweden that that is view in the war and in a much more huge role than, than it was before, I guess. Well, I, I think Sweden tends to be very idealistic about how how the world should behave, how international politics should operate, how other countries should uh, should treat their, their people, um, promoting peace uh, and all of these, these things, and, and that's a great vision. But they're also not always grounded into how the world actually works. Um, and they themselves, and, and while promoting peace, they have no problem with, with their companies being major manufacturers of, of weapons and explosives, uh, um, willing to sell to, to both sides, essentially. Um, and, and so that sense of idealism that's there I think there's certainly a value in, in having that approach, but it's not always, in my mind, grounded in the way international politics actually works. And whether or not they can really be that moral voice, uh, perhaps they can because they can raise up certain voices um, and emphasize certain positions, but the reality is they are a small power. Uh, there are limitations to what they can do. If we change the conversation a little bit to Norway, and I think Norway is also playing that role a little bit, and with the, the Nobel Peace Prize being given out from Norway, uh, and the ability of the, of the prize committee to look at different issues or, or approaches to different uh, conflicts around the world, uh, and choosing who it is they're going to, uh, to recognize and, and elevate the voice, and that, it's very much related to the Norwegian outlook on the world. Um, and, uh, and sometimes those decisions are, are highly controversial, 
but I, I think they're trying to send messages with uh, whether it's nuclear disarmament or uh, diplomacy or uh, the focus on, on uh, young girls getting educated um, or the value of the European Union as a structure. And they're, they're picking and choosing based on the world that we're living in. Uh, what qualities they think should represent the, the ideal in international politics or, or conflict resolution. Yeah, that, that's, it's really interesting because I was just thinking about the Margaret Wallstrom, which has talked about the feminist foreign policy and, and, mm -hmm. and, and some people, uh, some investors and, and businessmen has criticized her because uh, particularly with regards to what she's saying about Saudi Arabia could cause backlash and to the Swedish companies investing there. So, so there, there is that this kind of idealism conflicting with, 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 um, with business and, and it's, it's a very complex, uh, decision and, and, and I, I guess that that's, that's it's really interesting because for example there are some people particularly in colombia that have go to to sweden particularly to there are of the few latin americans that have go to, to scandinavia to study that to be honest there are very few um the most common issue is that some study peace studies or things like that the conflict and peace uh, peace resolution conflict resolution things like that that is the most common thing that, that I think Latin Americans study there because uh, um, yeah and they definitely do have a long tradition of that and they, they have uh, many individuals who have devoted their, their life to uh, peace and, and conflict resolution so that's uh, they definitely have a, a unique approach to it I, I would say yeah, definitely. That that is it's really a very curious thing about Scandinavia. Do you think that that the interest in Sweden, particularly, and and in Scandinavia, the, the region in general, or also in the Vikings, because I hear a lot of people talking about the the Viking show. To be honest, I haven't watched it yet, but 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 a lot of people like. Even here in Peru are talking about the, the, the show and I don't watch that much TV, but but I probably should give a try someday. But it's it's going to revive the interest in, in Scandinavian history, that, that kind of development could could lead somewhere. I know I, I think again going back to that, that issue of pop culture and, and tapping into things, whether it's design or music or, or something else or, or television and, and movies. Um, it's in a it's in a hot spot right now, um, and a lot of people are looking to them. I mean, uh, Danish television has has exploded in interest in the United States as well. Uh, the crime fiction genre uh, in literature a couple of years ago, um, I mean, it seemed like every bookstore I would go into would have a, a display out on Scandinavian crime fiction authors. Uh, um, so I, I think it goes in waves as as to what part of, of pop culture that they're in, but I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a hot region. People have an idea of what Scandinavia is, um, and sometimes that's tapped into, sometimes it's being challenged uh, in some of these, uh, whatever is, is coming out. Um, but I, I think, as opposed to some other countries, some other regions of the world, uh, um, and when you when you hear Scandinavia, you hear Sweden. 
there's a certain image that, that comes to someone's mind. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I think we could leave it here. So before to the end, do you, do you want to tell us if you were involved in some project, uh, writing a book or, or something? I am working on writing a book. It's it's uh, a slow process for me as, as I have a, a heavy teaching load here. Uh, but I'm working on a, a book about the Second World War. Um, Related to Sweden, but more more specifically focusing on the Swedish minority population that lived in Estonia, which was occupied first by the Soviet Union, then by Nazi Germany, and then again by the Soviet Union. And it's looking at these uh, this population's attempts to uh, to flee to Sweden and Sweden's attempts to negotiate with either the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany uh, to get them uh, over to Sweden, uh, which was uh, almost the entire population was able to be relocated during the war. That, uh, so that's, that's the project I'm, I'm currently working on. That sounds really interesting. Hope to to look probably at it. A few years, probably a few years away from being completed, but it's it's a project that I've, I've really been interested in and, and have really enjoyed following and touches on a, a lot of these issues about Sweden and the Second World War that, that has long fascinated me. And is there some place where we could look some of your past work or your social media? No? Um, I I have some things that are, are published. Uh, uh, some of it is in, in Swedish. I have a, a few chapters in, in a couple of books that were published in Estonia as well. Uh, um, but uh, probably nothing that would be easy to locate, uh, <laughs> per se. Uh, but I, I do tweet online. I'm uh, at uh, Gusty Glenn is, is my uh, my handle for that. Uh, G U S T I E G L E N N. And uh, I, I'm definitely interested in, in these issues of Scandinavia and, and history, and uh, frequently am traveling over there and, and giving lectures as well about different aspects of, of the history. Yeah. So. It has been great talking to you. Thanks so much. Thank you for your interest and, and thank you for reaching out to me.